Amen. How many of you realize that that's not just a song? That's the literal event that will happen. That ought to make some of you shout for joy, and that ought to make others shudder for fear. Because I want you to know when that trumpet sounds, and the dead in Christ rise first, then we which are alive and remain go up with them to meet the Lord in the air. All hell is going to break loose on this earth. The Spirit of God will be lifted. The saints will be gone. You think it's bad now, honey? You ain't seen nothing yet. And it's time you make your calling and election sure. Prophet Joel says, Blow ye the trumpet in Zion, sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Jesus is drawing near. No longer time to play church. No longer time to wear a smile but be crumbling inside. No longer time to say, look at my goodness and my righteousness and my holiness when inwardly we're living a life that's of secrecy where we're living in sin. And it's causing such guilt and weight and problems. It's causing depression and loneliness. It's causing feelings of rejection. It's causing feelings of futility in your life because you're living a double life. Not all of you, but if the shoe fits, wear it. My responsibility as a pastor to tell you to make your calling and election sure. The Lord's the one that said, I'd rather you be hot or cold, for if you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. He doesn't want you playing games, deceiving yourself into believing, I'm okay, oh, praise Jesus, when all the time you're driven by evil thoughts, and sinful ways. It's time you crucify the flesh. It's time you submit and relent to the Spirit of God. It's time you become that man and woman of God that He has ordained for you to be. He wants you to search for Him as a hidden treasure. He wants you to hunger and thirst for righteousness. He wants you to seek Him so you can find Him. He wants you to walk into that place as a sheep knowing his voice and not following another, not deceiving yourself, not turning to the left nor to the right, but keeping your eyes on the straight and narrow. He wants you to be focused and fixed on finishing strong as we wind this thing down. I didn't say it. The Word of God says it. There will be many that will stand before him in that day and say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out devils and in your name do many wonderful works? And he'll say, yeah, but depart from me, you worker of iniquity, for I never knew you. Don't be a person that's bound up by religious games. Be the real deal, Lucille. Walk in humility, but walk in the strength and the might and the power of the Spirit of God that resides in you every day that you get up, probably before your feet hit the floor. I know before my feet hit the floor, I need to somehow in some way crucify my flesh. Because in my flesh and in your flesh, there dwells no good thing. And if you allow yourself 
Two, you will walk in the flesh. That comes natural. That's something that every day we have to overcome. Bible says this, that if we walk in the spirit, we'll not fulfill the flesh. The flip side of that is if we don't walk in the spirit of God with the mind of Christ, we will fulfill the flesh. I don't care who you are. I don't care who you are. That's God's word. That's why the devil tries so hard and unfortunately with great success to keep so many of us from getting into God's word, from spending time with the Lord in prayer and meditation and waiting on the Lord to speak to us. That's why so many of us have gotten to a place that we give God what time is left instead of making time for God first. He tells us to seek first. The kingdom of God and what his righteousness, meaning in right standing, in right relationship, seek to be in that right place with him. And all this other stuff will take care of itself. I'm saddened as I talk to so many people throughout the week, most every week, not every week, but most every week, to listen to how they're living life as though they were the devil's punching bag. And we don't have to live that way. The Lord, if we have submitted ourselves unto the Lord, we can resist the devil, we can defeat the devil, we can conquer the devil, we can overcome the devil, and we can put him in his place. But if we don't submit to the Lord and stay submitted to him, daily, getting daily bread, daily manna, daily strength, then when the devil comes, if I'm not submitted to the Lord, I can resist him all I want to, and guess what? He'll laugh at me because I in and of myself have no strength or no might to challenge him, much less overcome him. We've got to learn to allow the Holy Spirit that resides in the child of God to Listen to that discernment that he'll give us. Follow those checks in your spirit. Listen to that discernment. Don't go that place. Move back. Go here. Call that one. Don't talk right now. Be quiet. Stand still. Be sure you're seeing and seeking and hearing God. Then you'll walk in victory. Very, very honestly. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to John, the 11th chapter. Peter was singing Midnight Cry. I couldn't help but think about little Johnny. He went to a church where every Sunday the preacher would get up and close and he'd say, one day Gabriel's going to blow his horn. I can almost hear it now. Every Sunday, Sunday in, Sunday out. <laughs> little Johnny thought, I'm going to have me a good time here next Sunday. So he got up in that attic of that church he was listening little old country church sure enough about that time service was winding down sure enough the preacher says brothers and sisters i want you to know that one day gabriel's gonna blow his horn i can almost hear it little johnny up in that attic he goes preacher stepped back i'm telling you brothers and sisters 
One day Gabriel's going to blow his horn. I can almost hear it now. About that time, little Johnny stepped off, slipped off of those trusses up there through that sheetrock. He fell. He hit the ground right beside that preacher, and the preacher jumped back and said, You better stand back, Gabriel. I'll cut you. <laughs> you, better, you better mean what you say and say what you mean. John chapter 11, very familiar story. The story of Lazarus. The story starts out in chapter 1. It says a certain man was sick named Lazarus. It's important that his name is used throughout this text. Although we could fill it in with other names and other circumstances and other situations. But a certain man was sick. They said, told Jesus, says, the one that you love. And early on in that story, Jesus said, this sickness is not unto death, but that the glory of God may manifest or shone forth. And he began to dialogue with his disciples and talk about, and they sit there and waited and wasted, in our eyes, wasted a few days. And finally, he says, you know, I'm going to go down there and wake Lazarus up. And his disciples began to make excuses as to why they shouldn't do that. They said, Lord, don't you remember just the other day, those guys down there, they wanted to stone you. They wanted to throw you off of a cliff. You managed to slip out of town. Finally, he says, our friend Lazarus sleeping, and I'm going to awaken him. And they said, well, if, if he's sleeping, he'll be okay. He, he, he'll wake up. You don't have to go down there. So they thought he was speaking of a sleeping rest, but Jesus was speaking of sleeping death. And we pick up in verse 17. <clears throat> so when Jesus came, he found that they had already been in the that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. Many of the Jews had joined the, with women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Now Martha as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said unto her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said unto him, I know that he will rise again at the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he were, may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said unto him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who has come into the world. And when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, The teacher has come and is calling for you. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, they followed her, saying, She is going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? 
They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? And then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said unto him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said unto her, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. Jesus lifted up his eyes, and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now, when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said unto them, Loose him and let him go. There are several things that you can teach, preach, glean from this passage of Scripture. But what the Lord showed me today that he wants me to challenge you with tonight is very simple, and it's not going to take long. You'll listen, if you can listen as fast as I can talk, we won't be here much longer. I don't oftentimes title messages, but if I were to title this message tonight, it would be, You Do Something. You see, we live in a day and an age, in a country, and in a society that we have maybe unintentionally developed an entitlement mentality where we want someone, whether it be the government or individuals or programs or churches or whatever, we want everyone else to take care of all of my needs. We want everyone else to jump at my every snap of the finger. And this kind of thinking is not good in the kingdom of God, nor in the country. I want you to know, the first point I'd like to make is simply this, in verse 41, when Jesus said, you move the stone. You do something. I want to challenge you for whatever needs there are in your life, whatever New Year's resolutions you've made, whatever goals you're trying to accomplish. Don't take a sit-back, fold your arms, twiddle your thumb, suck your thumb attitude, and just hope that it happens. You've got to do as the Word of God says. You've got to put forth your best effort because faith without works is dead. You've got to do what's in your ability to do. You've got to give the Lord something to work with. You've got to take a step, uh, not only of faith, but you've got to take a step of obedience to God's Word because, see, the Lord just plainly said, he'd already told them previously, let me back up. If you'll just believe, your brother will live. God's Word makes us so many promises, promises, yet we tend to, in our finite human minds, become oblivious to the very ones that we need to be standing upon. We don't oftentimes take them to heart. 
and apply them to my situation, my circumstance, when God is telling me in his word to do such and such. He tells us even further, he says, I want you to become doers of the word and not hearers only. Unfortunately, there are way too many people that are just hearers and not doers. I believe that in most churches of every denomination across America that there are people that have heard enough of the Word of God that if they never heard another sermon preached, if they just put into place the things that they know to do and what God's Word says to do, they would have enough spiritual ammunition in their spiritual gun to overcome life. But we've got to be doers. We've got to move the stone. We've got to do what we can. We've got to take those steps of faith. Yes, we've got to trust God. We've got to look to God. We've got to believe. But we also have to do something. We have to put works to our faith. Secondly, in verse 43, basically Jesus said, if you, do, if you move the stone, I'll do the miracle. I'll raise the dead. I'll restore your marriage. I'll call you your business to not have to go bankrupt. I'll show you a way out of the circumstances and situations that you're in. I'll make a way where there seems to be no way. I'm a miracle-working God. I'm not grown old, weak, feeble, senile. You've heard me say that many times, and you're going to hear it again as long as there's breath in my body. I believe that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Why do we keep him in a box? Why do we act like, oftentimes like the people of his own hometown where he could do no great miracle because of their unbelief? You see, we, how is our expectancy level of him? Are we really expecting God to show up and to show out? Are we really expecting him to do exceeding great and mighty things? Are we really looking for the Lord to show up in our life, in our church, in our home, in our business, in our circumstances, and say, Peace! be still, or to say, Lazarus, come forth, or to say, let there be, and to make something out of nothing. I used to sing an old song in Pentecostal circles years ago that little is much if God is in it. Little is much if God's in it. Ask Daniel, who had a rock in a slingshot going out to fight an undefeated giant Philistine giant who had been trained in warfare since a youth, undefeated champion of the world, huh, Skeeter? What did David do? He ran toward him. Not in his might, not in his power, but he said to that giant, you come to me with spear and the sword, but I come to you. In the name of the Lord. And I want you to know, if God be for us, who or what can be against us? That's got to become more than something we just say to sound spiritual or religious around people that we want to impress. It's got to become a way of life with us. We've got to look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, expecting the Lord to do great and mighty things in our life. We've got to expect him to fulfill his word where he says that he watches over his word to perform it. The eyes of the Lord 
roam to and fro throughout the whole earth among his people, looking for someone that will let him show himself mighty and strong on their behalf. You need the Lord to show up mighty and strong in your behalf? Look to him. Call on him. Trust him. Believe in him. Step out in faith. Watch him do what you can't. Did you know a miracle is simply that? Something that you can't do. You can't save yourself. You can't rain down quail and manna. I love the story of Elijah out there by the brook. Now he's having a pity party. I'm the only one left in the whole country, with which was Elijah. The Lord had people that he didn't even know about. But he's got him out there, and the one that he's running from, old Jezebel and Ahab, he sends a raven right through the, right through the I don't know what they called it, but the temple or the, the White House or whatever. And they just they fly through there and take meat off of their table and go out there and feed the prophet of God. If he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, he can still do that. It may not happen exactly like that. It could. But the point is this. He's perfectly capable of meeting the needs in your life. I want to time out here for just a minute. And I'm going to come back and wrap this up. I spoke here a while back, Philippians 4.19, one of the more misquoted and misused verses in the Bible. And for those of you that need a remedial class, we're going to touch on it again. Paul is talking to the Philippians. Philippians 4.19 says this, and we quote it. Well, let me say it this way. We quote it this way. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. That's not what it says. Don't take my word. Look it up. Paul is talking to these Philippians, and what he's saying is, when I begin to minister, when I begin to promote the kingdom of God, when I begin this missionary journey, you and you alone, gave unto me to support the work of God for the kingdom. And because you've sown not just once, but more than once, because you've done this, my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. The lesson here is be a sower into the kingdom of God. I'm not saying that to get you money. I'm just saying if you want the blessings of God, if you want if you want Deuteronomy 28, 2 to 16 to come to life in your, uh, to pass in your life, so into the kingdom, so into the things that the Spirit of God would speak to you about to sow into, to pay your tithes, to give offerings into whatever, to do everything. Y'all know I don't ever talk to you about money, and I'm not beating you up about it tonight. I'm just saying, if you want the blessings of God, so into kingdom principles, so into kingdom works time comes, God will meet all of your needs according to his riches and glory. Thirdly, and I close, verse 44, he had said, you move the stone, I'll do the miracle. Now he says, you loose him and let him go. Because see, when he called Lazarus forth, he come out, what, hopping in these grave clothes? He's bound up. He's hopping out there. Got a 
napkin across his face, and he says, loose him and let him go. What I want you to see in this, and here's where I think the Lord really wanted me to be tonight. There are some people, particularly that as they begin a new life in Christ, that you're going to have to take some of those grave clothes off in the way of you're going to have to forgive them for some of the wrongs that they've done to you in the past. You're going to have to let some things go. If you don't, they'll stay bound. You can help to set them free. Did you know that Scripture says this? Whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted. And whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. close with this judge not lest you be judged for with what measure you judge you shall be judged now go on and make it however tough on them you want to make it judge them as harshly and hard as you want to but that's what's coming back to you I choose to try have mercy on I choose to desire the grace of God, the mercy of God, the forgiveness of God. And we're never more like the Lord than when we forgive. And we're never more unlike Him when we refuse to forgive. Some of you got some ball and change that you're carrying around of unforgiveness of others in the past, and you need to let it go tonight. You need to let it go. Would you bow your heads and we're going to close right now. You say, Dennis, that's me. I've let unforgiveness be a ball and chain and a weight on me that's tormented me and held me back. I hate it. But I hadn't hated it enough to let it go until tonight. I'm tired. And I want to lay aside the weight and the sin that so easily besets me. I want to be able to run this race the way God's intended me to run it. And in order to do so, I'm going to have to leave some things at the altar and forgive some other people and to let some things go. If that's you, could I see your hands? Anyone, anywhere? Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Anyone else in the balcony? Thank you, sir. Say, Dennis, that's me. Slip it right up. Slip it right back down. Maybe I missed you. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. You see, you have the ability just by wanting to forgive, to forgive. I want you to know that forgiveness does not mean you didn't have reason to be mad or upset or angry. It doesn't mean that you might not have been done wrong. I don't know your circumstance. Forgiveness does not mean that you won't ever think about it again. Forgiveness means simply this, that like the Lord, I choose to not hold those sins against them anymore. But you're going to let it go tonight. I very seldom ask this, but I want to as a step of faith and to show your seriousness to this commitment. If, they, if you raised your hand or even if you didn't, I want you to come to this altar real quickly. I want to pray for you. Get up out of your seat. Come down here right now. Don't wait on the others. You come yourself. This is your deal. This is between you and God. You need to come. You need to talk. Make some things right with him.
Yeah, they, you were done wrong. Yes, it wasn't right. God, only God, will in righteousness one day judge. You let it go. You go on and live with your life. Now, I want to pray a prayer over you, but here's what I want you to do. You pray over your unique situation, and you let it go. You, you can call them by name, either quietly to your breath or the Lord knows our thoughts, but I want you to pray specifically for that person. They might even be your enemy. Did you know the Scripture says to pray for your enemies? And tonight we want you to be free from this. I'm going to believe God to do the miracle in your life as you remove this stone from your heart that, that God's going to call death out and speak life in. So you begin to pray to yourself right now as I pray over you. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the honesty of these men and women that stand here before me tonight. You know the details and circumstances of their situations, and I don't. Lord, what matters is not so much the past, but it's the right now, and it's where we go from now. And Lord, as they begin to forgive those who wrongfully and despitefully use them, as, we, as they begin to forgive those, Lord, who may have metaphorically spit in their face. Pray right now, Lord, that they'll be like you and that they'll forgive and let that go. Now, Lord, I ask you for that claw that's been in their brain, that ball and chain that their emotions have been dragging around, that weight that they've been carrying. I pray today, tonight, right now, that supernaturally you deliver them, that you set them free. You've come to set at liberty, Lord, those that are bound emotionally, physically, spiritually. Lord, I thank you for your freedom. I thank you, Lord, for deliverance tonight. I thank you, Lord, that even those that did the wrong would be dealt with by your spirit. I pray that they would come to know you as their Savior, that even if they're saved, Lord, and did these people wrong, that they'll repent. And I pray, Lord, that this will be resolved. And I pray, Lord, that they too will be set free to the glory of God and to the pleasure of these, your men and women. We ask it in the name of Jesus, and we give you glory and praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. While you stand here just a second. Others, if you got your head bowed for just a moment. You need a miracle of some sort in your life. doesn't matter what it is, if it's physical healing or deliverance from an addiction, whatever. You, you need a miracle in your life. I believe and we serve a miracle-working God. I want you to just stand to your feet right there. If you need a miracle for anything, stand to your feet. I want to pray for you. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Anyone else? Just stand up. This is your moment. I don't need to beg you. This is your time. This is your opportunity to let the body of Christ pray for you. Lord, your word says for us to call on you, that you would do great and mighty things. You see these men and women across this auditorium tonight, Lord, that stand in the need of a miracle, and you're a miracle-working God. You're the only one that can't. And we ask you, Lord, to supernaturally do what no man can. Lord, we give you opportunity tonight to be God 
to show up and to show out, to do great things in their life. Lord, we speak healing to sickness. We speak restoration to relationships. God, we just ask you to whatever the circumstance is, God, that you would glorify yourself in their midst. Give peace to them right now in the middle of their storm. Lord, we rejoice as we'll hear a testimony of praise come. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Nathaniel is going to make a few announcements here, and I'm going to slip out. <clears throat> well, thank you for the word, Pastor. Aren't you thankful for forgiveness? We thank you, Lord, for forgiveness. Tithe boxes are located by the doors, and, um, you know, of course, as Pastor spoke tonight, give as you, as the Lord directs you. Um, the prayer request uh, list is on the bulletin board. Um, definitely keep those in prayer. Um, Overflow will meet this Sunday at 6. And um, let's see, one last announcement. Uh, Miss Robin is at the back at the uh, country store with a contribution statement, so... Uh, definitely head back there to, to pick those up. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for this word. Once again, we thank you for your forgiveness. Where would we be without you, Lord? We thank you for, for dying on the cross for us, Father. We thank you, Lord, that we can be forgiven, Jesus. I pray that you'd bless us as we go home tonight. Bless us with a wonderful week. We thank you for a new year. Just continue to, to keep your blessings on us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Thank you.